And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Ryder Cup is in the books, Team USA. We have exhausted it. We've talked about it enough. No, wait. No, we haven't because we haven't. We got a guest that uh, we haven't had on in a while. So I need to ask him a couple questions about the Ryder Cup. Then we'll get to Sanderson Farms as the PGA Tour continues to roll the fall season. Not a bad field. We'll get to that momentarily. Give you our thoughts on the players that we're looking at. But uh, first, let's welcome in PGA Tour Radio, the voice. You hear him every single week. Will Haskett, how you doing, bud? Good. You know, I got out of the podcasting business a couple of weeks ago. I know you're aware of this. And then I see openings like yours. It's the reason why I got out. Like, I just didn't have time for production value. And I mean, geez, I mean, how do I? That's why I couldn't, I couldn't compete with that. So now I'm just begging, borrowing people to let me onto their podcast so I can talk again. So I appreciate well, you can come it. Come on, my Thank podcast. All the time. I'm, now, I'm a free all the time. I got nothing okay. to do. I got no pod. So I'm good. Let's go. <laughs> so you watched the Ryder Cup? I did. Team USA. My goodness. That was a, that was a whipping. You know, you got to put it how it was. it was. That that was a whipping. And, um, you know, I just sit here and I think about it, Will, and I look at it. And I talked about it in the podcast yesterday. Team USA is going to be good for a long time. They've bought in. They're young. They're hungry. It's a new era of USA golf. I look at Europe. I don't see it. You know, I think there's, there's a lack of talent, especially in the, in the youth and the young players that are over there in Europe. I'm sure there'll be a couple that'll surprise us. Then I look at the international team and I look at the president's cup next year. I think the international team is in a much better position with young players to challenge the Americans than the European team. What do you think? I agree with that. And you just think about successful guys in the European tour and some of them aren't European. So that obviously diminishes. You can think of all the, the continued sort of power and, and great play that's coming out of say South Africa. Well, you were mentioning that's president's cup. That's not the European team. You know, there's so many different ways to go with this. You know, when I was covering the Ryder cup this past week, and you're doing all the preview shows and everything leading up to it. And you, you know, how many times do we say, well, you're, we're not playing this on paper. We're playing it on grass. Well, the reality was on paper, the United States should have done what they did to the Europeans. And then they went out there and did it. And the real issue in this competition for the last 20 years was that many times that had been the case and it didn't actually play out that way. So I don't necessarily think it's a full panic button situation for the Europeans because we're going to go to a golf course in two years in Italy where the rough's going to be significantly higher than it was at Whistling Straits. The fairways are going to be tighter. The greens are going to be smaller, not as receptive. We know we've seen this script before, right? Yeah. So the Americans talk a big game afterwards, like, well, don't worry. We now have this cohesion. We now believe we have this group. And I do believe that there was really something to the quality of the team room, that those guys were significantly more bought in for each other and also more relaxed in the idea of the competition than maybe we had in years past where there was a real power struggle between captains and players, or there were real personality clashes in the room. They overcame all of that and also sort of bought into their own hype, which is real when you have a team that is nine of the top 11 guys in the world. So yes, will they likely be favored on paper in two years? I would think so. I I don't see enough of those guys slipping off it. There will be attrition. There will be a two or three guys that aren't on that team, maybe four or five of those guys that aren't on that team, depending on either guys dipping in form or younger guys or other guys on tour sort of finding their way onto the squad. But 
again, it's not the start of a five Ryder Cup reign for the United States because they still haven't won on foreign soil since 1993. So we need to pump the brakes a little bit on that narrative. But yes, everything for the last week has worked extremely well in building momentum forward for the Americans. And now the Europeans are going to have to look at what their makeup is. John Rahm's going to be there for the long haul. Rory McIlroy still got some good Ryder Cups in him if he probably rededicates and finds whatever is missing right now in his game. And maybe a combination of Fleetwood and Hatton. And I'm, I more think of it from an elite talent level standpoint, yeah. Travis, when I look at this, is that how many guys in the United States are elite Hall of Fame quality level players versus how many of them there are in Europe? Because when you have a majority of those, it's really, really hard to get beat. And in some years, it's been two or three of those guys for the Americans and a whole bunch of guys who are playing really good golf for an eight-month stretch. Well, this year, you've got... I mean, how many Hall of Famers are on that yeah. American roster compared to how many Hall of Famers are on the European roster? I mean, Hall of Famers that still have a little bit left in the tank. Lee Westwood, to me, is a Hall of Famer. We can debate that in a completely different podcast. But at 48 years old, it was going to be a difficult week for him. There are a few fillers at the bottom of that lineup. There were no fillers on the American lineup. So again, two years is a long time. We could have yeah. a completely different perception of what the talent depth looks like for both teams but the americans on paper should have steamrolled them they did steamroll them and now on a more level playing field in italy in two years if it's the same roster makeup it's probably closer but the americans should still win yeah i agree yeah i agree all the all the momentum is is there now and it's a new era and i think it means something to them and you know they looked around and said look i don't know about you guys but i haven't been here the last 10 or 12 years right so let's make our own legacy and they went out and they did it and it was fun to watch now there's some players in this field that we'll see in the president's cup and also potentially some of the younger players that are trying to get into the top 12 on the American teams, uh, starting with the two favorites, which is Sam Burns and Wills Torres. So we'll get to those guys here in a second, but this week is Sanderson farm, uh, Jackson, Mississippi. It's called the country club of Jackson par 72. We'll be calling it on PGA tour radio. So tune into that. And it's a fairly long course, but these guys, you're going to see a lot of birdies here. These guys are going to go low. Uh, this is a golf course where, you know, it's kind of like if you can bust it out there with your driver and make a lot of putts, um, you're going to do pretty well here. If Bryson played this tournament, he would win by 10 if he played like he did last week. Yes. <laughs> and the way he hit the driver and the way that he putted, he was so impressive. But Bryson's not there. He's doing the long drive competition. Uh, but we do have some guys there, and it's a decent field considering coming off of the Ryder Cup. Bermuda Greens, and what I love about this place, Will, very fast. I remember this course yeah. last year. They were electric, these greens last year. Probably the fastest, I would say, on all, on tour all year. You agree? It's pretty close. Yeah. I mean, it's, they get slick. Uh, we, the good thing about this time of year, there's still some heat in the South mm -hmm. on these Bermuda surfaces. There's not been a lot of rain in this area of Mississippi for the last couple of weeks leading up. The forecast right now looks pretty good. Last I checked for this week, there's a bit of a, you know, for those of us, I'm in the Midwest and we're in the mid eighties right now, which we're getting this kind of another shot of summer. So we know that there's a, kind of a heat dome that's, kind of popping up right now. So that mm -hmm. will allow them to really do whatever they want to with those greens, as long as it doesn't get you know too saturated, which I don't anticipate unless the weather forecast changes this week. So yes, they can be really fast. 
in that speed, then we also could get a little bit of bounce in the fairways if they choose not to put any water in them, which then shortens the golf course, which I think actually changes the dynamic of this tournament ever so slightly. But we've we've played it enough now that we kind of have a vibe for it. But yeah, you're right. I think these greens uh, can be, they're not tricky to read. Mm-hmm. I think that there's the opportunity to make a lot of putts right. and they're really good surfaces for an old country club. I mean, they, they do a really good job getting yep. this place to a ready. So it's a lot of times like putting on felt, like it's a really good golf course to make putts on. Yeah. It just, you can, you can get it going here. I mean, you start hitting your lines and like you can start filling it up yep. on these greens. The greens last week, it was some straights. I thought were great. And guys were rolling it beautifully. We saw a lot of putts hold, um, you know, you look at it, they are tough fairways to hit. Like on average, when you look at it relative to the other events, like guys will miss more fairways here, but it's not overly penalizing, you know, no. the rough so they can still get to it. Yes. And, and still hit the green. So it's like you hit, you miss more fairways, but yet they hit more greens than the average course on the PGA tour. And they get the ball up and down a little bit more often here too. So you got to, you got to make putts here. I mean, you look at it historically, Sergio, when he won in 2020, bit of an outlier, he did it with his ball striking, which he tends to do. We know that he'll, he'll gain five off the tee, seven in approach. And then that allows him to only gain three in putting, but Sebastian Munoz who won in 19, you know, he gained six. uh, Yeah. He gained six in putting. That was his big number. Ryan armor gained seven. Like you'll see the six, seven, number here strokes game putting guys filling it up um with the putter so i think we're we're looking for a player here that i think hey let's let's yeah length off the tee we know is going to have an advantage here we always know approach game is huge i think that proximity to the hole is important and then let's get a guy that can fill it up with the putter that's kind of the guy i'm looking for yeah it, it's it's interesting because when you look at the history of it you know sergio garcia wins it last year, but then, you know, Ryan Armour's one here, Nick Taylor's one here, guys that aren't necessarily big hitters, but Cameron right. champ is one here. Although when we start to actually break down where Cameron champ has won, it's really interesting because he's won at Napa where we were two weeks ago and that golf course. Well, especially two weeks ago, not necessarily as much the year that champ won, but especially this year, finding the fairway was really important. As you mentioned, this is a golf course where you don't hit a ton of fairways, but missing the fairway, as you mentioned, isn't as penalizing as it would be at, say, in Napa, at Silverado, or other places on the PGA Tour. So it, you can bomb it and still find a way to get the ball and play the way your way onto the front of the greens and be able to do it. So, yeah, it, it's, it's not so much looking at who's succeeded on this golf course as much as knowing how different guys and different styles of play have succeeded. Where's the one place where you could give a certain edge to? Because, yeah, great putters, awesome, but we know how hard it is to track down putting from week to week. We know who our, yeah. the bad putters are, but right. even the great putters have bad putting weeks. We can't just right. all of a sudden throw ourselves into, all right, this guy's a great putter. He's going to be successful this week. So to me, it really actually comes down to if I'm taking flyers this week, it's par fives. Because the par fives, even if this place is firm and fast, really aren't reachable for the shorter half of the field. Um, they are, but I'm saying they're, if you have extra distance in the tank, if you're 20, 25 yards longer, there's going to be a lot of 250 yard sort of approach shots into some of these greens. So who's really good at going for the green percentages and, you know, birdie percentages on going for the green and par fives. Cause I think, I feel like that's the differentiator. Now 
does it mean that a short hitter is not going to win? Absolutely not. Like we, there's always right. variables that goes into it, but I feel like that's the place that if you get a, a big hitter who can really putt, who is able to take advantage of the par fives and his extra 20 yards on the field this week, that's the guy that kind of piques my interest because the rest of it's kind of a form play. Peter Molnati, 2015. Right. Uh, also in a huge heater at that point. I mean, Malnati was yeah. playing really good golf last summer and that was kind of his, his reward, I guess, of three or four months of really solid above his standard sort of play. So again, yeah. we can find those guys in the field who are playing really good golf right now who don't fit necessarily that big hitter, good putter sort of model. And those are, the, I think the guys you kind of filter your lineups with. All right, let's get to it here. Um, we'll go through each price level. We'll start at the top. And uh, give you some of our plays, some guys that uh, we'll be fading as well. And we go to DraftKings Sportsbook, the top pricing here at Sanderson Farms. Country Club of Jackson. There's my boy, Sam Burns, 11,000. Zalatoris, 10-8. Sergio, how much does he have left in the tank? None. 10-5. Sunjay M, 10-3. And then speaking of the international team, not only is it Sunjay M, but there's Corey Connors yep. at 10,000. 100 Burns has finished third. Garcia won it last year, of course. Sanjay finished second. Connors has finished second. And believe it or not, Will Zalatoris missed the cut here last year. We're going to go in the in the high end. Who 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 do you like? Uh, I like Corey Connors just because of from a price point standpoint, I think it's all kind of interchangeable. There's actually a lot of value. I feel like in the upper 10 thousands, when you, you talk about talent, because you mentioned it's, I think it's a pretty fat field in the middle, but then there's also some really good value plays down below at 6,000. So I feel like you're going to get one, maybe even squeeze two guys out of this tier into your lineup. So if I'm going to be able to do that, I get a $900 value on Connors over Burns. And in a lot of respect, Burns is a much better part than Corey. And Corey will be the first person to tell you that. Uh, but I love the ball striking of Corey Connors. And I love the fairway striking. Again, going back to that sort of par five model. Again, two guys have done it really well here, but I'm going to, I'll save my $900. And I would say that Corey Connors is my best. I would say Sam Burns probably is my favorite, but I'll take the $900 value and take Corey Connors at 10,100 instead of the 11,000 I had to spend on Sam Burns. Yeah. Damn it. And well, I'm I fading, agree with everything way, you just said there. And I'm <laughs> fading Sergio for the same reason I told everybody under the sun to fade John Rom two weeks ago in Napa. Sergio is doing right. a wonderful thing. Like all past champions and returning champions should do. He's coming to this, but fresh mm-hmm. off the Ryder cup disappointment, John Rom was in Napa trying to prepare for the Ryder cup, but that was a lot to do with agency requirements and, you know, his agency running that tournament and the things again, it does it's, again, it's great. It helps out the local organizers. It's great for the tournament. The reason why they're doing it is spectacular for everything but their own personal golf result. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. I applaud Sergio for returning this year after winning last year. I applauded John Rahm for being in Napa, but I don't expect to see top level performance out of out no. of Sergio this week. No, that's a big ask. You know, especially after the beat down on Sunday from Bryson. I mean, that's you know, he's there. You put a lot into that week. It has to be the most exhausting week for a professional oh. golfer. So he's coming back now. He's got to defend. Everybody wants to ask him questions. Yeah, you definitely. I'm going to be fading Sergio. It's tough to play Will in a putting contest. Um, it's certainly tough to go there, especially at 10 8. And I agree with what you said. You know, Burns, I'm a big fan of Burns. I was touting him early when he came out. I was like, this guy's the real deal. I think when we get into the 9,000s, We've got a, another guy that I want to talk about that I think is going to fall that similar track with Burns, with Mito Pereira. 
Um, but man, 11, one, that's just big. You know, that's tough to, that's tough to swallow. So yeah, you come down. I refuse to bet Sanjay. Like that's the guy that I can't get right. So I just decided (laughs) that, look, I'll take my lumps and I'll go to Corey Connors. Um, who, when you look at the last 50 rounds, he's number one strokes and ball striking. That's how he's, that's how good he is. He's probably the most premier ball striker in this field off the tee and approach game. Yes. If he has a relatively good putting week like Sergio did last year, Corey Connors will be in the final group. I agree. And again, perfect greens. Uh, when the greens are this perfect, I understand that putting has had a strokes gain influence when we look back at the stats of this one, but mm. really, but perfect greens to me tend to level the playing field a little bit. If we were putting on Poe, I wouldn't pick Corey Connors this week. Like there's just an art to that, that I think strokes gain putting savants, their skill level rises in those moments, really fast, pure greens where you're not going to have misreads and bumps. And it's a little bit easier for you. I'll, I'll, I'll skew to a guy who I know struggles a little bit with his putter. So yeah, I, I love, I think the difference in putting skill between Sam Burns and Corey Connors is minimized on perfect surfaces this week. Yeah. You know, I looking at his splits, his best surface is Bermuda for sure. Poa, he almost looks like he's putting left-handed. You know, he is not anywhere near it. Right. And uh, as a Canadian, you'd be like, come on, man, you see this all the time. Let's go. Come on. (laughs) All right. Let's go to the 9,000s. Mito Pereira kicks it off at 99. Who's playing great golf. Keegan, speaking of ball strikers at 97, Siwoo Kim, 95, Cameron Tringali, 94, Munoz. He's one here at 93. Harold Varner, the third 92 Cameron Davis, young, young player, international squad, 91. And there's Charlie Hoffman at 9,000. I say it every week. Charlie Hoffman gets no respect. Give me Charlie Hoffman at 9,000. I'll take him right now. I, again, I think it's great value in that. If you're looking at that entire pack, cause I love Mito Pereira, but then this week I you pop it up and it's like, wow, he's now sixth on the board mm-hmm. in terms of money. I mean, it's, the results, you can't argue with the results. His season debut in Napa was was awesome. Impressive. He can make birdies in bunches. His ball striking is really good. I don't think the par five side of things, he's not a big hitter. Like He's plenty long enough, but he's not super long. Uh, this is also a golf course that has a higher than average number of approach shots from the 100 to 150 yard category. So that does pique my interest a little bit because he's really good with a wedge in his hand. Uh, so. Man, it's it's just really hard because again, you're getting 900 bucks for the value on me by taking Hoffman over Mito Pereira, and there's some good <laughs> there's some good names in there too. I, I like yeah. some of the other names that are in that. Keegan Bradley's got a good track record here, a great par five player, and I'm stealing somebody from Twitter, and I can't remember where it was. I read it earlier today, so I apologize for um, the, the stealing of this information. But I think I read he's like 24 consecutive or 24 of his last 25 rounds, he's strokes gained approach like positive. I mean, it's just this? A, uh, Keegan. Keegan, yeah. So again, it also boil down to the putter, but if it's Keegan at 97 or Mito at 99, I'm going to take the results. Like I just think the Chilean's on a heater right now and you just keep riding that horse until, you know, he, he doesn't pay off anymore. Cause right now, yeah. if you put him in your lineup for the last you know month and a half outside of his PGA tour debut, when he earned his status back at rocket mortgage, when he admitted that he was kind of, you know, lost in the woods there trying to figure out where to go, what to do, where to get the car, where the range was, where to get balls. Like he's figured it out since then. And it's been a pretty good ride, pretty sweet ride. If you've been back in Mito Pereira. You know, I, I, I love Mito. Um, I think it's going to be fun to watch him here this fall and really get a sense for his game. Um, you know, he, he clips it around that 300 mark as far as distance. So he's not overly long, although 
in uh, Napa, they were, the ball was going and he was, he was busting it out. A lot there of the, bounce in there. Yeah, a lot of bounce. Yeah. 40 yards around. 318. Yeah. Um, you know, he looks like he's, he looks like he's got a nice approach game. He looks like the real deal. I mean, he looks like he's going to be a solid PGA tour player, but we have to wait and see. Um, and he's a guy that I like for short sure 99. I'll probably start a lineup with him. Uh, Keegan, you know, you're just, can you get anything out of the putter? See woo. Can you get anything out of the putter? You'll either win or miss the cut. See woo. Can. There you right. go. Tringali hasn't played good here. Um, T37, T16, 50th, 53rd. So he's going to make the cut. But at 94, you need more out of that. Munoz, you know, I'm not in love here, you know, in in the 9,000s other than Charlie Hoffman. I look at last 50 rounds, Charlie Hoffman, strokes in approach first. Yep. Cutting 15th. I've been saying it, I said it all last year, the, you know, the calendar season. Um, you know, I said, look, it looks like to me, Hoffman has kind of rededicated himself, uh, with Mark Blackburn. They got him. He's gotten longer off the tee. Yep. His approach game got better and his putting got better. Like, and he's a model of consistency at 9,000. My eyes just keep going there. He was sixth here last year. You know, I think Hoffman's my favorite play in the 9,000s and I'll, and I'll probably be playing a little bit of Mito starting a lineup um, at 9,900 as well. Uh, my boys over at data golf have your boy Hoffman third best value on the board. And when you're looking at it from a strokes gain, total expectation standpoint and price point on DraftKings this week. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I, I can't argue with it. And his commitment, I mean, he was one of those guys where there was enough evidence in his numbers to suggest that a slip was coming in his career. And I think he headed it off and said, let's yeah. do something about it. And he did. And I'm curious. That, and another guy that's going to be in the Charlie Hoffman category. I'm curious about this year. We talked to him out in Napa, uh, the Duff man, Jason Duffner has committed to weight and speed training for the first time in his career. He's trying to get a little bit longer to try and maybe get another two or three quality years out of his career. So I'm going to be interested to see if we see a couple of gains in the next couple of weeks and stuff from Duffner in the same Love sort it. of veteran category that Hoffman did, who said, look, I got to do it. I got to commit to it now because yep. I'm running out of time. And he did it. Yeah. And, and it, totally and it showed. It. I mean, yeah. he's, he's definitely long off the tee. His iron game's better. His putting, I mean, he, you could see it. And um, yeah, Hoffman's been great for me and you keep putting him at 9,000. All right. Especially against this field, because there's huh? there, especially against this field, because it's not like yeah. there's you know 15, exactly. 20 superstars ahead of them that you know are better than them each and every week. Like no, like, this is a good week for him to be at a price point where the guys ahead of him are not necessarily better than him. Yeah, so those are those are my two. I'm not in love with the nine thousands because I, I I feel like I agree. I feel like I've got more in the eights as we open it up with Strillman at eighty nine, who I like not as much as I like Seamus Power. I'm a fan of Seamus Power. Um, I like his game. Emiliano Grino at 87. Um, Dog me at Napa. Boy, yeah, he's, know, he's dead. Cutting contest. I'm out. Yeah. Ortiz has played very well here. He's actually got two top fives in the last three years, but where's he at right now? 
I love Matthew Wolf at 85. I, I think that's too. great value for him. I was hoping you're going to pass over him. I don't <laughs> know why. I just feel like here's another reason too. go back up to the Zalatoris Burns thing. What did we just watch for an entire week? We watched 12 guys say we are the new face of American golf. Like we're this team. We're going to be here for years to come. Well, guess what? There are three or four guys who are on the bench who didn't make that team. Who you'd think like probably have that pedigree and talent sure. to be able to join that team rested on a golf course where if you can bomb it and reach those par fives and two, you've got a chance. I'm just going to, I'm again, there's no strokes gain reason to support this recently, but why not 8,500 on Matthew Wolf? Like, I mean, I'm just saying flash in the pan, like he could totally do it this week. So I don't know why I like him. I love him this week. You can get him for like 50 to one. I think if you're looking at it from a straight odds standpoint, I mean, top tens at like plus 600 or plus five. I mean, it's like, wait a second. Holy cow. Let's do this. Uh, I'm, he, he was one of the first names I circled, right? I, know, like, why, I yeah. don't know why though, but it, he could well, miss the cut. You but know if what he, he can do. I mean, right, you, exactly. I mean, like, like Wolf can get hot with a putter um, and he can dominate a golf course with his driver. So, yes, you know, he's not the best approach game player. I get that. And that's got value here, but man, he starts busting it out there a long ways and gets a hot putter. I like Matthew Wolf in this golf course. I people. I, I, I really do. He's never played it. Neither has Gary Woodland at 84. Um, gosh, I just, you know, Woodland's always just an interesting character to me. Like I, I just never know how much he's tinkering with his game. He's, you know, where he's at his health. Like he's, I don't know. He's a tough one for me to kind of wrap my arms around. Like yep. I know he can go. I mean, he's one of us open and he's one of the tournament. Like I get it, but he's a tinkerer, his health. Where's Gary Woodland's head at right now? Aaron Wise, 83. We'll know we'll get the ball striking with him. Can he putt? Kazire pass at 82. Um, you got Pond at 81. And then Doug Gim and Matthias, Matthias Schwab at 8,000. Doug Gim. Oh, my God. Uh, man, you know, it's, it's funny with Gim because he – we know ball striking wise. It's so good, right? His approach game is just yep. mint. And then you put a putter in his hand and he looks like a beginner sometimes. Like, and it's like, Oh my God, if this guy could putt at all, he would be good. He, he switched putting coaches a couple months ago to Derek Ueda out of California, which I'm really interested to see how that goes because mm. I like Derek a lot. And I think this could be a good match. And I'm, you know, like it can't get any worse. I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but it can't get much worse than what we've seen at a gym, relatively speaking to his peers. If that dude can sniff it at all and get just above average with his putter, he is going to be very, very competitive on the PGA tour. Because when you look at him off the tee and approach, it is pure. It is not a big hitter. No. So, you know, again, I don't, you don't have to be a big hitter to win here. So if he's flushing it, he's going to give himself opportunities. I I feel like we're still, we're still a stretch of golf away with him. We see the numbers and we get locked into the potential. And yet we don't really see then the, that three or four week stretch where then he makes us a really comfortable play. I think, I think anybody that's backing him and that includes me. I mean, I I had him in lineups at Napa because I, again, I thought, you know, accuracy was really going to play. And I think he was right around the cut line and then blew up on Friday when that golf course got really hard on Friday afternoon. So uh, I believe the potential is there and his numbers there. And another guy in this category who showed, excuse me, the same level of improvement, 
whose numbers are trending up is Patton Kazire also. His gains from two seasons ago to this past season on the PGA Tour, he's rounding back into the form that made him a two-time winner on the PGA Tour in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that his numbers are trending towards that same sort of place, but it's, again, you want to see from Gim that level of consistency that then says, okay, if I'm going to roster this guy, he needs to at least be in the hunt or give me a top 20, a top 30 out of it. And missing cuts at the $8,000 level is still just, I, I, I don't know if I can still play you from a potential standpoint in that. I understand how ironic that sounds coming from a Matthew Wolf take of showing me consistency, but we've seen upper levels of it. By the way, Kazire's made six of his last seven cuts and was in the top 10 at Fortinet before a really bad Sunday. So he's, he's somebody that I do have my eye on in this category. Okay. You know, power, um, of course he won the Barbasol, the opposite of field event. And, uh, you know, he had a couple top tens before that, the deer, the mortgage got into the playoffs 31st, the Northern trust. Um, and just really, I thought he kind of matured and settled into some, just a really solid overall game. Um, his approach game wasn't great last week, but uh, he, he's a player that I got my eye on. You know, yeah. I like what Seamus Power is doing. Um, I'm going to probably take a little deeper look at him here this week. Streelman's always very solid. You look at Streelman, he's, he's got three top 20s in the last five years at this place at 89. Um, but I, I'm, I'm convinced on Wolf. I'm going there. I know. We're gonna... And I'm sure I'll, I'll talk myself into playing <laughs> Gim some as I always do. Ship's going and I'll down probably with Wolf. Power as well. All right. I'm happy with that. Seven thousands <laughs> is where the money's at. Let's go. Seven All right. Seven thousands. Very healthy. Stop me when you like a name. Ready? Actually, no. Let's just throw I'm names. Gonna... There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. Let's throw uh let's what? Let's do a five pack. I, I got. F- okay. Give me Good. five. Give me five guys in the sevens. Um, Scott Stallings, first round leader, 7,700. Who's won here? He's won here. He's doing, he's put a ton of work in, in the last month and his putting, and he's seeing some real returns on that. Uh, talk to him a lot, both on the record and off the record about that in Napa. Uh, really like where his headspace is. He's really comfortable now on the greens, which is always something that I think was a little bit of a part of it. Absolute, you know, great ball striker has plenty of length to be able to attack these holes, a really good par five guy. Um, who else was on this list? I mean, there's some good value in here. This is the same level where you can kind of get some of those guys that are coming off of corn Ferry who were just head and shoulders above the rest of that tour. And this is the time of year, I think to kind of roll some money onto them. So a Taylor Moore at 7,100 or a Chad Ramey at 7,000 guys who are, we have at least the basic strokes gain data to show from a total standpoint that they were just better than the tour that they were playing on and actually puts them into sort of a level that is, you know, that's not the top third of the PGA tour, but certainly in contention to be a guy that rounds out your lineup at seven sort of thousand dollars when it comes to it. So I like those two guys. Uh, another guy off the corner ferry tour that's a little bit higher, but fits the category of the the huge hitter is Taylor Pendrith. He's at seventy eight hundred at the top like of that him. range. Mm-hmm. So I really like those sort of three guys who are rookies on the PGA tour because it's a golf course that I think can be pretty rookie friendly. Because again, if you're not necessarily spraying it, but you're allowed to swing hard and not have to worry about it as much. Going to Napa is a really hard place to start for the first time in the PGA tour. It is quirky. You have to mind angles. There's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff that's going on there in terms of it. This is a little bit more of a comfortable place to play if you're a PGA tour rookie. So I like those rookies that showed us a lot of form coming off the corn Ferry tour that you can get in the 7,000 range on top of my 
my boy Scott Stallings. Yeah, I'll give you Pendrith. I like him. He's a bomber. Uh, Canadian player, works with Derek Ingram. I'm actually trying to get him on the podcast on Friday. We're trying to nail that down. And, and um, you know, he's kind of that driver-putter mix, Pendrith yeah. is. He's a very good putter, too. And so <laughs> I, I, I think Pendrith could be a bit of a sleeper here. Uh, and I'll also give you, I like Lucas Glover. He's actually had some good rounds here on this golf course. And, you know, the putter can always be a little bit of an issue, but 74, let's make the cut. Let's do top 25. Um, as I look at Lucas here. Yeah, I could see that. I could also see, yeah, you know, T yeah. So Lucas T14, T5, two of the last five years. So I like Lucas. I could, I could use a T14 out of 7,400. Um, you know, Zach Johnson's actually played decent on this golf course as well. A couple top 23s over the last two years. I think Zach comes out of last week and he's motivated. Yeah. You know, like that atmosphere, there's a lot to it. You you come out of there motivated, like, man, that was an awesome experience. I'm going to go play. (laughs) You know, like I, I think Zach comes here place. He's played well at, um, yeah, he doesn't have the length, but the rest of it, you know, you look at how he's played here. It, 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 it checks it. It's not a great field. All right. 7,500 sign me up for Zach. And uh, yeah, I agree with Stallings. I like Stallings too. That's a, that's a name that I had circled and a guy that um, in the seven thousands that I think is, is really worth a look. I mean, I'll probably, you know, there's um, you know, Chris Kirk is probably the other. He's so consistent and solid and no. 7,500 guy that, you know, is going to keep in a little draw and another little draw. Can he, you know, he can get hot with a putter at times. Um, so I'll, I'll throw Kirk in there at 75 as my, as my fifth guy. Kirk was, uh, he's actually got second here back in 17. That feels like a lifetime ago. Ryan armor at 73, one here back in 2018. Burgoon has a T six. And then I'll throw one more name and that's Norlander at 7,200. I think Norlander could be a good spot for him. He was fourth here last year. So that's a, an additional name extra for you folks out there. Henrik Norlander. There's so many guys in this category to me that it's, it's going to make or break. I mean, you're going to make, you're either going to make money or lose money based off of who you pick from, because I've gosh, you could build a billion different lineups based off of, I think a dozen guys or so in this range that are really, really good. Yeah. It's always funny. Like I always like looking at the last 50 rounds, like just the putters, the approach game off the tee. You know, you go to putters and like, we'll, we'll kind of transition into 6,000 here. You've got Denny McCarthy at 6,600. Denny McCarthy's the best putter in this field. And he's actually played pretty well at this golf course too. Um, it can turn into that. It can turn into a putting competition here. And, and Denny's a guy, can he do enough with his approach game? We'll see him pop at 6,600. If he can, the way he puts, he, he'll probably be in the top 25. You know, yeah. that's kind of how you play it. You know, you get so used to, well, I have this conversation a lot where it's like you get so used to having the conversation where it's okay. He can hit it, but can he make enough putts? (laughs) Right. But like, there's other guys like, well, they'll make enough putts probably, but can he hit it? Yeah. Can he hit it? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where McCarthy falls into. Molinati is, is like that as well. Yes. Um, Snedeker, I think is a guy that's like that. Even Kazire to some degree is we know his putting's good. Can his approach game and off the tee, be up to that. Cause I would put, I would put Pat and Kazire certainly in the top five putters in this field too. Yeah. Well, and you look at it even too, you go, if you're getting into the six thousands, I mean, what about guys that are, 
that combine that length putting sort of combo. I mean, you can get Wyndham Clark at 6,400, right. Um, way down the board. I mean, this is a guy who finished T30 at Napa. We're seeing a little bit of trend. I mean, that was a good start after what was a, a pretty weak finish to last year on the PGA tour. The iron game hasn't been very good, but like plenty long. And his issue normally is he gets himself in trouble off the tee. Well, we mentioned there's not a ton of trouble off the tee and he's one of the longest guys out there and he's an above average putter. So this is one of those weeks where I feel like you can, you can fly with those guys who, who do mash it because even if they hit a couple of foul balls, the ballpark's going to, you're going to keep it yeah. in the ballpark. I mean, there's very, there's a couple of times where you get to, there's some holes out here where you do get to the the border of the property, but for the most part, think of it like your traditional country club, a lot of ups and downs. So if you block it out to the right, there's some trees, but to be honest, like you've got playability. It's not, you know, it's not congressional trees. No. You know, it's, it's, you know, a little tree here, a little tree there, but for the most part you have pathways to get yourself out of trouble. So I, I like that. I mean, even a Brandon Hagee's like 6,400. I think there are a lot of people who are putting a lot of pressure on him to do well two weeks ago because of his length. And we've seen some flashes out of Hagee. I mean, there's no one longer. It really feels like. So are those the guys that you want to take a gamble on in that 64, 6,500 sort of range? And I say, yes, I think that's the guy, or those are a couple of the guys that I'm at least using to fill out the bottom half of my lineup so I can go up to the top and I can maybe do a, a Burns-Connors combo and sprinkle right. in a couple of guys in the 7,000 range. Right. You know, this course reminds me, what you see a lot here when you when you go back to the history of this course, it's it's a lot like TPC Sawgrass where you'll, you'll have a couple good years and then you'll miss the cut a couple times. Like there's a lot of that with with a lot of these players. Like um, Brandon Hagee, for example, he had he had two top 20s and then he missed the cut three times. You know, so, and then you have, um, you know, there's other examples like that. Chesson Hadley, has got a second here and then missed the cut the next two years. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, but Denny McCarthy, there's something, Denny McCarthy likes this place, folks. I mean, he, he really does. He has got a very good record here. Three top twenties in a row here. Um, the last three years, that probably means, excuse me, he's got a T six, T 18, T seven last three years, which probably means he'll miss the cut the next two years, but I'll be on Denny McCarthy for sure. I'll also be kind of like Adam Shank here as well. I think that's a name in the six thousands that, that I'll certainly um, be playing. You look at him strokes in off the tee last 50 rounds. He rates out really, really well. 13th and putting he's eighth. So there's a guy that can do it off the tee and the putter. If you're looking for that kind of combination, um, I, I think I'll definitely uh, be playing some of shank and you go to real quick here, the approach game. And yeah, there's, you know, I like the Stallings conversation in the sevens that you were talking about. The more I kind of look at that, I think that's a really good play with Scott Stallings. And we know he knows how to win too, by the way. So if he gets in contention, he might be worth a look on a win ticket. Um, I think Brian Stewart, you know, when you go from a, an approach putting standpoint, you got to look at him at 6,900 as well, because he's a good iron player and he's a good putter with him. Can he do enough off of the tee? That's always the question with him. So it's always, you know, this is the conversation you have because in these kinds of fields, like you see, yeah, okay, great driver, great putter. Oh, wow, his approach game, damn. Good approach game, good driver. Oh, my God, he can't putt, right? So it's always like that one sore thumb, right, that's sticking out. And what are you willing to overlook? And at this golf course, I think it's a little more difficult because guys have done it different ways. Um, but I do think the length off the tee has a lot of value here. And I do think you're going to have to 
you're going to have to go plus four, plus five and putting. I, I think that is, you're going to have to make some putts here for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, another guy that fits that bill, the long hitter sort of type, I, I, I'm looking at a lot of pedigree guys this week because I just feel like this tournament's going to set up to have three or four of those stories of young guys that are making a charge. A guy who played his way into the field with a top 10 in Napa was John Augenstein, the incredible player out of Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. He's made three straight cuts on the PGA Tour as a, either a sponsor invite or a Monday qualifying type of situation. I think it's been all sponsor invites. And then T10, top 10 is his way into Sanderson Farms. I mean, he's hitting the ball. Great, really long hitter, fearless. And again, if you're fearless, this is a golf course where you can play fearless and not get into a whole lot of trouble. And I think that that really just bears well for these young guys. We've seen this be sort of a young guy opportunity um, golf course, you know, in years past because of the way the field is typically made up. We see a lot of guys take a big step forward at this golf tournament. So there's another guy in that 6,000 category who's riding a heater right now. And he's only priced down there because, you know, you don't have any expectations. He's not a PGA tour member. Right. So, you know, why not sort of take a flyer on something like that uh, when you're looking at those guys that are, they're going this week, by the way, top five entering this week, off the tee in the last three months, Pendrith, Cameron Young, Sergio, Corey Connors, Keith Mitchell. Yeah. That are in the field last three months off the tee. If you're looking at that from a standpoint of we need guys that are, are bombing it, put themselves in a lot of positions for those par fours to have wedges and for those par fives to reach them into. Yeah. Augustine 67 and I'll give you Seth Reeves at 63. That's another player that I like. Um, and he actually, he got a start here a couple of years ago and played well. So he knows the course. That Cameron Young can bomb it. Holy mackerel. Mm. That guy just beats the yep. ball. <laughs> Let's go. This is the week, man. This is the yeah. week. Just well, it's going to be interesting. Your ears back and go. Yeah, this will be a this will be a very interesting leaderboard to look at. You know, the first two rounds. You're going to have a lot here. You're going to have some experience. You're going to have some names you've never heard of before. Yeah. Um, it's a fun one. You know, I like it. It's uh I kind of like these weeks. It makes you really think and dig. And uh, I feel good. here. I've been circling as we've been going. Um, But I think this gives uh, the audience some good ideas on um, what we're looking at here. Kind of first look or second look guys that were really solid on. And then others that uh, maybe take a little deeper look on as you start filling out some of your lineups for DraftKings. All right. Well, that's uh, good stuff. Sanderson Farms, Country Club of Jackson. Par 72 all get started on Thursday. Long drive competition going on as well. Bryson is there. Some of the qualifiers happening. And then we uh, come back next week and we go to Vegas. Really happy. Really excited about uh, the Vegas tournament. That'll be fun. Jason Kokrak defending there. I'll be there. Uh, so actually next week is the traditional Vegas one. So that would be, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Not, not Kokrak. Kokrak's the following week. Uh, it can't land. Who won in Vegas last year? This is, I should know this. Uh, there was a, was there a playoff? Was that the, Oh, Martin Laird, Martin, Martin Laird. Laird won a playoff last yeah, year, right? right? With, with, with Matthew Wolf in the playoffs. Yes. Um, yeah. So first of two weeks again in Vegas, which there's never too much time to spend in Vegas. I'll be on the ground <laughs> next week. at good old, uh, TPC Summerland, right? Yeah. TPC Summerland. Yeah. Martin Laird. Um, yeah. Summerland and then the CJ cup. Is that right? Which is not at Shadow Creek this year. It's at uh, yeah. See, this is when you put it's, me on the spot. It's overseas. It's over in Japan, right? Well, but they're still playing. Um, the CJ Cup is back overseas, but they're playing the other event. Um, Why that is here. Out? Yeah, 
This Here is when, all right. This one we're really good. And I'm I'm one tournament per week. Thank you. Yeah. So this. we got Martin Laird won the I Shriners. Mean, that's next week. So I had I had I was one week there. Jason Kokrak won the CJ Cup, which is um, which they're still playing here in the United States. It's the, but this year it's at the Summit Club, not in Vegas. Shadow. And then they go to Japan for the Zozo. Yep. For I had the it. Zozo. Yeah. That's right. All right. We Good stuff, it. Will. We appreciate it. it out. One week at a yeah, time. We did. Thanks, boss. We, figured, we know we got we know we got professional golf all the way through November. So that's that's all that counts. And we'll get it figured out before we come on back on air next Tuesday and break down that tournament. We'll ask you listen to him PGA Tour Radio this week, Sanderson Farms. We'll see you tomorrow on Wednesday with Justin James, who uh, is competing in the long drive. So uh, we'll go a little long drive week. Give you some instruction on Thursday as well, how to hit your driver further. All right, see you next week. See you tomorrow. Let's take a second to talk about the folks over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value, performance, and customer service. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter-weighted balls made with the high-density particles and proprietary nanotransitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy, control and distance encore recently added the vero x1 to its suite of award-winning golf balls one that already included the golf digest gold rated elixir and low compression avant 55 through its full suite of golf balls encore can help transform any golfer's game visit encoregolf.com backslash travis fulton for more info about encore and start revolutionizing your game now back to the stripe show podcast